Yes, it is time for another show, the Back in Time Brother Show. I am DJ Polly, and as always, I have my brother with me. Lou, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, and I am feeling the grunge. You know, I'll tell you what, I'm feeling a little grungy too. I was actually going to throw on some flannel cutoff shirts tonight, but I figured, eh, let's, let's keep it simple, right? I, I got my flannels on. I'm ready. I see that. I see that you do. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, this is a really special show. And we have a special guest. We do. And um, I am really happy to introduce a good friend of mine, somebody that I went to high school with and is the perfect guy to have on this show because he lives in the Seattle area. He was there in the early 80s. He lived grunge. So let me introduce everybody to my friend, Pat Job. Hey, Pat. Hey, Lou. Thank you. Polly, it's so good to so good to talk to both of you. Oh, you too, Pat. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being with us. I appreciate I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, we're we're excited. Yeah, this is going to be a fun show because you got to live um, what we're talking about, and it's going to be a lot of fun to kind of hear your perspective and your um, experiences with that whole grunge sound of that you know '80s and early '90s scene. So we're looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it myself. It's it's uh, it was quite the movement. Um, you know, it's like I, I spoke to you guys off the air before we started. It was uh, it was one of those things that just transcended, you know, for it seemed like it was overnight. I mean, you know, when you talk about transcending things, it seems like it takes time. Uh, this this was not the case. This just, it just in my mind, you know, from what I witnessed, it just happened overnight. And it just was like a speeding bullet that just swept through the city. You know, it was, it was pretty awesome. So really, really one question before we start going is, I'm, I'm curious, Pat, is when when that grunge scene really took off to the point where it was, boom, it was there and it was out there and everyone was like, wow, how long did that grunge scene really last? Well, you know, I want to say probably late 90s, mid to late 90s, like 96 in that area. I mean, it, it, in my eyes, you know, I think about, you know, the death that has occurred throughout the grunge and... uh how long those 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 fellas lasted, and in my mind, that's when grunge ended for the most part. But I think, you know, you had a lot of a lot of bands that came on afterwards. You know, you had your Bushes, you had your STPs that continued to go on, um, that kind of kept it moving. So, yeah, you know, probably ten years. Uh, you know, Polly, probably ten years strong. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I kind of remember. I kind of remember it. Um, you know, um, changing. I went from you know like that whole '80s scene, and then all of a sudden I had short hair, and then all of a sudden my hair was was long, and I was growing mm -hmm. it long, and uh, you know wearing uh, Doc Martens and uh, you know flannel shirts, and 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 you know listening to the Pearl Jams and all those you know those groups and stuff, and you know I just remember how that whole time changed. Everyone went from the clean cut look to the grungy, dirty, long hair look. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it was almost, it almost was like uh, Lou when you and I were in school together. You know, it was almost like, you know, everybody wore those bib overalls and stuff. It all kind of, it all kind of came back, you know. <laughs> A lot of flannel though. You're right, Polly. Yes. So let's go ahead and get started. We're going to kind of kick it off with, I think we're going to go back to 1983. Um, I already know in talking with Pat that he got there in 82, so it'd be great to get his perspective, but um, back in 83, when you think of, of grunge as kind of, kind of that kind of nineties thing, cause that's when it took off, but it really started back in, in uh, the early eighties and the first band, there's a couple of bands that I think we really want to focus on in the initial part. 
One of them is the Melvins. And so the Melvins from the, the Washington, in the Washington area, they were really um, influenced by Kiss, Black Sabbath, Zeppelin, ACDC. And with grunge, which is kind of like a punk, post-punk type of uh, sound in a distorted sound, it really started with the, kind of that Kiss, that Led Zeppelin vibe. And, um, you know, so the Melvins kind of started it off. And the big band that really is what they consider the first band in grunge is the band Green River. And Green River, if you were to kind of take a, a um, uh, like a family tree of grunge, you probably have Green River definitely up there because it spawns so many acts from it. So, um, so let's go ahead. Let's talk 1983, 1984, Pat. So you get there in 82. And what's the scene like? Well, you know, it was a lot of it, Lou, was, you know, it was still that, uh, that glam. You know, you had a lot of glam uh, music was still kind of the thing. And, you know, the, you had like, uh, you know, those late seventies, you know, you had like the cars, you had a lot of, uh, the cars you had, you know, you still had your Boston's, you had still, it, it, it was still heavy. You know, that stuff was still really, really popular. You know, the stuff that we grew up on as kids too, you know, uh, yep. Kiss was always strong. Yeah, stuff like that. But it, it, it just seemed like, you know, the minute, the minute you heard Nirvana or you heard like, uh, you know, you heard some Soundgarden. I mean, when it hit the radio, it was like, it was, it was like a tidal wave. It just went crazy. And it's like, you know, KZOK would, you know, the, your classic rock stations out here in Seattle wouldn't even play it. You know, your classic rock stations, they had a grunge. Uh, and there was just, there was never any, there was never any time for anything else. I mean, and the movement, you know, you, Paul, you talk about the flannel and, and stuff like that. And people kind of snicker at that and they think, yeah, that, right, that never happened. It, it happened. I'm telling you. And, uh, you would see people in business. You'd see, like, when I worked at this hotel in Seattle, I worked at the Westin Hotel for, you know, a few years as a bellhop. So I, you know, I was, it was more of a professional type, uh, dress, uh, you know, kind of an upscale hotel, very upscale hotel. It's a four or five star hotel. But your business agent, you know, your business people, you're behind the desk counter. Uh, front front office managers would would in the dressing room. I swear, as I'm st I'm sitting here, they would leave work and they'd be they would change into their grunge. You know, you're talking about you know your your twenty thirty thirty five year old uh, front office managers. They would come in in their suit and tie, change in their suit and tie for work, and they go out the door with uh, half cut off uh, jean shorts. You know that are frayed at the bottom. You know, with the uh, the motorcycle boot. You know, the steel toe boot. Oh yeah. And it was like that. And no matter where you looked, it was like that on every street corner on the, on the bus system, you know, the bus, uh, on the bus system in Seattle, you know, the rail system and stuff. It was, it was crazy. It was just, it was just crazy, but it was, it was, um, it was, uh, you know, they, they talk about the darkness of, you know, there's a lot of darkness in the grunge era as far as, you know, the lyrics of the music and, and some, you know, the things that have happened to a lot of our fallen, fallen comrades. Um, but, you know, it really there was an it was an opportunity for a lot of us at that age to really show how we felt, and you know there was there was feelings, there was good stuff, there was really good stuff in that, and it brought a lot of people together. You know, they they talk about how it was a misfit type, a misfit a movement. You know, yeah. everybody was misfits, but uh, they found their place. You know, and it wasn't unfortunately it wasn't in the sun. <laughs> you know, it was it was in the dark underground. <laughs> you know. You're out of high school and you're, so you're young. You're going to be 
what, 19, 20 years old when this yeah. happened? Yeah, I was, you know, I was in my early 20s. And, and, you know, the funny thing about it was, is that there was a period of time where, you know, I, I was, I was always a classic. And Lou, you knew, you know, growing up, what we listened to, I was always that music. That music has always stuck with me. You know, the, the Boston, the Kiss, the Led Zeppelins. I mean, the classic rock has always been in my blood. And, you know, there was a time during the grunge movement where there was, I didn't listen to a lot of grunge. You know, I actually, uh, um, you know, did not listen to grunge. I was, I stuck with that other stuff that, you know, the stuff that we grew up on, you know, so I had a, I had a lapse of about, I apologize for the phone. I had a lapse of about, uh, probably three years of no grunge. And then what came on really strong was, um, you know, that's when your STP started up, you know, in the, in the, in the mid nineties, you know, when they started to get hot, um, you know, the smashing pumpkins, uh, you know, and one of my all-time favorites, I mean, they were, that was early was the Screaming Trees. Love the Screaming Trees, sure. you know. But uh, so, yeah, there was, there was a time, a gap, for me, uh, like about a three-year gap where I didn't listen to that. And it could have had a lot to do with, you know, who I was seeing or, you know, socializing with, too, you know. Um, <laughs> right, because, you know, it, depending on the girl you're dating, right, it's going to attract a certain type of girl. Exactly. Or no girl at all in some cases. You, you know, you hit it right on the head, Lou. That's exactly it. And, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the gals that I, you know, dated, a lot of them were pretty upbeat. They love to dance a lot. And there's not a lot of dancing in grunge. <laughs> you know, there's not too much. Uh, I don't know how you move. And, and, and uh, moshing a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Know? Mosh pit. And, you know. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, you hit the nail on the head with that. That is so true, though. Yeah, so true about that with who you're dating. It changes everything right? Uh, to what you listen to, what you do, yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're going to dive into all these guys. You know, you mentioned uh, Screaming Trees, Soundgarden. So in 84, these bands came out, Green River, Soundgarden, Screaming Trees, and then uh, the founding of Sub Pop Records was a big thing because Sub Pop had signed Green River and these indie bands, and they really started to market grunge as grunge because, you know, they thought that it was kind of a cool thing. And um, and so they were really the first ones to do that. And so then you created this whole kind of this buzz. And then there was a big release by CZ Records called the Deep Six Compilation. And on that, it had the Melvins, Green River, Soundgarden, Malfunction, Skin Yard, and the U-Men. And that was like the first compilation grunge EP that came out. And that's when, you know, people started to say, there's something here. Yeah. Do you remember, do you remember any of those bands? Like, well, well, you know, Green River. No, I don't. I mean, you know, there was, it was really before uh, I really got into the grunge. I mean, that was really early. My grunge, you know, started maybe a few years after that. But like I said, you know, working downtown Seattle and being in the scene, you know, you would always hear about Green River. You'd hear about the Melvins, you know, when they were in town. And, uh, you know, those two bands were, were hot. I mean, they were really hot. You know, Mud Honey, you know, stuff like that. Uh, Mother Love Bone. Oh. So, you know, you had a lot of, a uh, lot of excitement, you know, that surrounded those bands, those early bands that, uh, never really made, made it like the Sound Gardens, you know, or the Stone Temple Pilots or Alice in Chains or, or, or Pearl Jam. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, yeah. So let's uh, let's go ahead and um, let's kind of let's go into like eighty eight and ninety. So you had you know Green River went ahead, split, and then they created Mud Honey, and 
the other bunch went with Mother Love Bone. Mm-hmm. And Mother Love Bone is a really special band. And it's sad. And as we'll go through when we, when we get to um, them on our list, we'll talk more about them. But so Malfunction had this really dynamic lead singer, Andrew Wood. And Andrew Wood is, you're going to hear his name through some of these other bands and how it affected other people, and especially Chris Cornell. And, um, you know, Mother Love Bone was the band that was going to be a big deal because he was charismatic, Andrew Wood. The band had, you know, the, the great players from Green River, and it was just this amazing sound that was coming out of it. And, and this was going to take, um, they were going to take it mainstream. So this was the hope was Mother Love Bone was going to go ahead and be the thing. So they get the album done just before, a few days before they're going to release the Mother Love Bone album. Andrew Wood, who struggled with um, addiction throughout his life, dies of an of a overdose. And the connection here is that Chris Cornell was his roommate. And, um, and I think that had a dramatic effect. Do you remember any of that, uh, Pat? Yeah, I do remember. I, I remember, you know, the papers. I remember the news. I remember uh, the memorials that they had. You know, down in the, in the Seattle Center, you know, the Coliseum area, down by the Space Needle, is where they usually really, uh, it's where they honor these people. I mean, these grunge people, that's that's, that's the site right there, you know, the Seattle Center. And, uh, yeah, Andrew Wood, you know, tough deal with Andrew because, yeah, him and Chris Cornell, like you said, they were roommates and they were best friends. I mean, you know, Chris Cornell will, has often spoke of, and, you know, Chris is, Chris is not the most humble person. He never had been the most humble person. He was pretty confident in himself, but he always spoke about highly of Andrew Howe. Had it not been for Andrew Wood, he does not know where his career would have gone as far as his movement. So, you know, for somebody like Chris Cornell to say that, that's a big deal. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I do I do love what you're getting at, Lou. To answer your question, yeah, the, uh, uh, the tabloids, the papers, it, it was a really big deal out here when these people passed off, passed on. Yeah, so... Coming off of that, all of a sudden, Mother Love Bone is done. And uh, you've got Chris Cornell being um, such, a, such a good friend of his and, and really affected by it, decides to go ahead and do a tribute album. And that tribute album becomes Temple of the Dog. And um, the Temple of the Dog is, is, is interesting because you had the, um, the remaining members of Mother Love Bone and then you had someone that gets that besides Chris Cornell, there's a guy de- who's living in the San Diego area who keeps sending demos of his of his music, of his sound. And he heard about this, what was going on, submitted some demos. Um, they listened to it. And um, Chris Cornell just thinks, wow. And uh, on his very first album, he gets to sing this duet with Chris Cornell. And, uh, Pat, you know who I'm talking about, right? I do. I do. Do you want me to say his name? Say it. <laughs> Eddie Vedder. Yes. That's right. It's amazing. <laughs> and I love the story. I just think, I just think the San Diego story, Lou and Paulie, I just think it's, uh, it's just such a cool story. You know, yeah. you think, you know, you, it almost kind of falls into where, you know, you hear people say, Hey, if I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> Here's Eddie, you know, recording himself on these, on these tapes. That we used to plug into our, into our into our stereo systems, you know, the scratchy tapes, and he's singing and he's sending this stuff to Seattle in hopes that 
somebody will catch on to this. <laughs> Hence Pearl Jam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> boy, boy, did, did someone catch on, right? <laughs> I mean, Paulie, seriously, yeah. isn't that just a cool story? Um, oh, it's amazing. It's oh. an amazing story. Just And, you know, and, and Pearl Jam's in, what, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I mean, oh, I, I know. Are they like, not? First mm-hmm. ballot. So, like, <laughs> You know, here here we go. Like this this guy, like you said, you know, sending a sending these audio cassettes up and here he is now, you know, he'll everyone will always know that name Eddie Vedder in Pearl Jam. It's amazing. And Lou, I mean, the ensemble, the Pearl Jam ensemble, you know, Mike McCready is just fabulous. Well, and then and then you throw in then you throw in Stone Gossard and you throw in Jeff oh. Edmund and you throw these guys in as well. And Polly, it's just, yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Stone Gossard, good, good Polly, good, good capture there. That's awesome, yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's just a lot of good people. So, yeah. So all of this, this was spawned from Green River. I know. Isn't that crazy? It's great. And so then you go ahead and so let's, you know, and, and this is Eddie before Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam comes off of this, you know, they, they, they pull these guys together and let's, let's start a band. And uh, uh, they started originally as Mookie Blaylock. They wanted to be that. And so um, the label said they couldn't have their name be Mookie Blaylock. So what's interesting is the, the Pearl Jam album is called 10, which is their first album, their debut album. And it's because Mookie Blaylock's number was 10. So there you go. I didn't know that. <laughs> I, I didn't know that either. I think it's hilarious that they wanted to be named after a basketball player that already was out playing. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting, but they did have a little tribute to Mookie with number 10, I guess. So. There you yeah, go. Or one, of the, one of the band members must have been a big NBA fan or something, I would guess. Yeah, I mean they played hoops. Yeah. Um, so then let's let's talk Nirvana because 1990 you had Kurt Cobain and Chris Novoselic, and um, and then they had kind kind of a revolving thing of drummers. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about this, the Melvins. Okay, so the so the the, the drummer from the Melvins was really the first drummer for for Nirvana. And um, it's the le- it's the lead um, singer from the Melvins that introduces Dave Grohl to Kurt Cobain, and and there you go, the classic lineup. Wow, I didn't know that story either. It, it, it's interesting how the Melvins and Green River have have affected so much. Well, I'm just thinking about this this interwoven connection between you know what I'm saying, Paulie and, and Lou. That there's there's just so much, so many. Tentacles spying <laughs> <Right>. off. <laughs> you know, it, 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 I think you nailed it best when you said it's like a family tree. Like you have yeah. these, you have the Melvins and Green River, and then you have everything spawning off of it, like relatives and and related and everything. And and Dave Grohl, I mean, Lou, we're, you know, me and you, we're, we're huge Foo Fighter fans. Mm-hmm. And Pat, I don't know if you are as well, but oh, yeah. um, love the Foo Fighter. Yeah, he's got a yeah. Foo Fighter shirt on right now. Um, love it. Still on my. I still have not been able to see them. I still on my bucket list. So hopefully yeah. we'll be able to see them. But um, it's just amazing to to hear all these names that we're mentioning. How they're all connected. It's, yeah. it's, it's so just so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So you know. So then, of course, you know, Nirvana becomes they become the thing, and they're what really kind of makes grunge. What they're the poster, you know, people for for the grunge movement, and you've got. Um, Kurt, who looks the role, he looks grungy as heck, mm-hmm. uh, very complicated and, uh, so much, you know, his, his, the lyrics and the sound that comes out of them is so Seattle. It is just <laughs> it captured everything. 
Yeah, it sure is. You know, there's a, in the darkness, um, it was a different darkness than, you know, any other lyrics, you know, when he, when he decided to go dark, which was most of the time, but he captured it. You know, he captured what people felt. And, you know, there was no, uh, there was no hymns. There was no agendas hidden, you know, when he wrote his music and played his music. He, he, he knew what he wanted to say. You know, so I don't think there was a lot of outtakes when he, uh, I think there was a lot of takes when he was in the studio. I think it was like, this is the way it's going to be. Yeah. You know, it's going to be raw. It's going to be raw. And and I think it was a way too, that he was, uh, he was kind of expressing what was going on in his mind and how he was feeling those lyrics. And, um, you know, Lou, we have talked about this, you know, a little bit, how, how Kurt was just a tortured soul. I mean, he really was, he had so much, you know, in his, in his world going on his mind and wasn't sure about a lot of things in his life. So uh, I think, um, he expressed a lot of it, how he was feeling in those lyrics. And I think you're right, Pat, there was probably, it was probably one take, you know, his, yeah. his, it was like, we're not going to do this again. This is it. This some is what you're getting, you know? Yeah. Some of the stuff I would yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a good point, Paulie. I mean, you know, when, when you said tortured soul, God, what a, you know, I just I sent uh, shivers. I got goosebumps right now. Just hearing that term. Mm-hmm. Uh, with him because that's you know i i just i'm getting flashes of him and you know in that uh yeah that's just that's it that's just a great uh great way to sum it up it's sad but that's it's the truth he was a tortured soul and we all know the outcome obviously yeah, you know tough yeah. yeah yeah so you know i think you know paul you and i when we were discussing doing this show i think that was that was kind of the dilemma that we were going to be in we were going to be talking about, number one, some great music, and we wanted to celebrate that music. But then there was also the piece of the fact that it's dark. There's so much death, destruction, sadness that goes along with that. But it's a part of it. So we can't step around it, but we have to embrace it and treat it the right way. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and I agree. And, and we did talk about that. And, and, you know, those there are many people that suffer with depression and mental illness. I am one of those people. Yeah. And, um, you know, still what what the outcome of what happened to a lot of these people and, and rest in peace of these people that have left us. But we do need to celebrate the music that they gave to us and that we still get to enjoy to this day, even though they're still not with us. So, yes, a dark episode a little bit because of the outcome and things that happen. But think about the brightness of music they brought to us and these songs and these bands. And that's what we have to that's what we have to move forward with and celebrate. That's what I think. And you're right, Lou. I agree. 100%. Yeah, I agree, Lou. I mean, uh, Polly, I agree 100 percent. Well said. So let's let's celebrate these guys. How about yeah. that? That's what we're going to do. <laughs> it's <a> party. <laughs> so. <laughs> No more rest in pieces. Let's go. That's right. So what we've done traditionally when we when we do a, a kind of a top, we, we do a list. I've always traditionally went ahead and um, come up with my own list. But I know on the last episode that we did, which was the, uh, the 90s One Hit Wonders, we decided to use the listing from Ranker, uh, the website. And we all know how I felt about that list, Lou. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay, I did not like the list at all. Polly was a one take. <laughs> <laughs> it was one take. Yes, <laughs> we um, we really you know questioned whether um, you know number one a lot of the songs 
probably would have, well, not a lot of them, a couple of them would have been on there. Um, mm. But it didn't capture the era in any way. And so I almost think we may have to come back and redo that. And then, you know, so how this kind of episode spawned from that, Pat, is um, we talked about what was what was so key and wasn't represented in the list because there was no grunge on the list. Yeah. And so Paul goes to me and says, well, you know, you know why there's no grunge? It's because, you know, all the grunge had hits. It, it, there wasn't a one hit wonder. And then I went ahead and said, well, no. Actually, I think one of the ones would be Hunger Strike, Temple of the Dog. That would have been because it was, it was a one hit. It was a wonder, and, and I think that ticked the boxes, and then we decided to kind of go grunge. Yeah. So there yeah, you're right. And, and that probably is about the only one hit wonder, honestly. Well, the Hunger Strike? Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would really agree with that. So then let, let's get into the list. So we went ahead and, and um, we, went to, we went to use Ranker once again. But what's great about our guest, our guest, Pat Job, has his own grunge list. <laughs> he came prepared. I had to do research, Paulie. He did. Louie invited me on the show and uh, <laughs> said that you approved of me being on the show. And I thought, okay, honey, where's my Wikipedia? <laughs> where's my Wikipedia? <laughs> yeah, when, when Lou told me you were coming on, I was so excited. It was it was oh, great. So that, I was too. So, I was just, this is awesome. You're here, man. This is really yeah, awesome. This is great. I feel honored. All right. So I'm going to kind of go through. We're going to do the top 25, but we're going to focus on the top 15. And what we'll do is we're going to get, I'll give rankers um, ratings, and then we'll look at Pat when he matches that up. And we'll, we'll do that when we start at number 15. So let's go ahead real quick. And I'm not going to play music from these guys, but I'll, I'll go ahead. Number 25 on the list is Dinosaur Jr. Dinosaur Jr. is from Amherst, Massachusetts. Um, I don't necessarily think of them as grunge, but once again, during this period, any band that put out something in that time frame, um, cause these started in 84 and you know, some distortion and, and everything, but not the real true grunge sound in my opinion. And, uh, but they're listed and, um, at number 25, I not, a, not, a, not a big fan of them. Number 24 band we've already mentioned, uh, key band are the Melvins. And, um, and we talked about the, the, um, how they kind of pollinated, you know, other bands and, and stuff and, and certainly bringing Dave Grohl into, uh, to Nirvana and eventually led to obviously the Foo Fighters. Coming in at number 23, the presidency of the United States of America. Um, you know, these guys are a Seattle, Washington band. Lump was a great song. And, you know, they kind of, eh, you know, almost more like a punk pop kind of sound to them. But uh, but they're number twenty three. Uh, number twenty two, and you know these guys probably deserve to be a lot higher. And I would imagine that I can't wait to see Pat's list because I'm sure they're going to be in that top fifteen. In that Screaming Trees, um, Screaming Trees definitely deserves to be there. I think you know part of the problem was maybe they didn't last quite as long, but they had uh, a lot of influences, and um, you know they they just had a great sound. And uh, you know I. I almost wish I could play some of that, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll definitely um, play that on our on our radio channel, Back in Time Brothers Radio. We're going to go ahead and uh, have a grunge show on there, and we'll be able to play full cuts on that show that we're going to have upcoming. You're going to have to let me know on that one, Lou. I, lo- I want to make sure I, I'm listening to that. You got it. Number 21, we've got Veruca Salt, a Chicago band. Um, 
You know, they had a good single, uh, Seether. And, uh, and Paul, what's so uh, special about that name? Uh, named after uh, the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory character, Veruca Salt. <laughs> That's right. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. uh, go, Paul. That's awesome. Yeah, Veruca, she wanted the Golden Goose. That's right. That's right. There you go. <laughs> I want one now, Daddy. <laughs> I want one now. <laughs> All right, I'll get it for you. And she definitely was a bad egg. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I remember that. Honk, honk. <laughs> yeah. God, we could do a Willy Wonka episode. I swear I love that movie. Oh, Let's go. <laughs> I'll do it with you. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna get Pat we're gonna get Pat as a reoccurring uh, visitor here, I think. Yeah, anytime, guys. Yeah. I like it. I love it. All right. Number twenty uh is the band for Madison, Wisconsin Garbage. And what's so important about Garbage is the drummer from Garbage who is one of the greatest producers of all time, Butch Vig. And why is Butch Vig so important? Because he produced one of the greatest grunge albums of all time, and that is? Never mind. There you go. Am I right? You are correct. Yep, you are on the money. Yep, he's done Smashing Pumpkins. He's done, uh, you were going to say something, Paul? Well, he's, he also produced one of my uh, top one hit wonder groups in the top five, I felt, and that's House of Pain. Uh, oh, Shamrocks yeah. and Shadows. Jump around. You're right. You're right, Paulie. I love House of Pain. Me too. <laughs> and that's on our it's on our nineties one hit wonders episode. So Pat, you gotta make sure you tune into that one. Oh, I will. Yeah. Um and uh and of course Butch has done, you know, three of the the um Foo Fighters albums. So Big connection there. Love what he does. And, and so that's a, a big thing. Coming in number 19. Um, and Pat, I don't know if you know these guys. Um, and, and you may. Um, is Mad Season. Oh, yeah. Okay. Can I have another, oh. Excuse me. Can I have another super group? I mean. Yes. You know. Yeah. Uh, Lane Staley was. That's when he was at the height of his heroin career. Uh, when he was with Mad Season. That's when he was, you know, on his downfall. But. uh they had some really good stuff. November Hotel, um, you know, and of course, uh, the River Deceit, you know, just, just, but all dark. This is, you're talking about dark lyrics. Mad Season will give it to you. They'll give it to you. What's interesting how it got started was John Baker Saunders, who's the bassist, he's in rehab. And in rehab with him is Pearl Jam guitarist Mike McCready. And they complete the rehab together and decide, let's go ahead and do a band. And um, the original name of the band was called the Gacy Bunch, but they changed it to Mad Season. And then you've got Lane Staley of Allison Chains. You've got drummer Barrett Martin of Screaming Trees. And, um, and they put out this just great, great album. Yeah, I agree. Fantastic. And then, unfortunately, of course, you know, Lane dies of a drug OD and, uh, you know, and then John Baker Saunders also OD. So, you know, in 99 and then I think it's Staley was in, was it that? Okay. Yeah. So boy, oh boy, I tell you just terrible. So there's a mad season. Rest in peace. Uh, then we have meat puppets, which is a uh, Phoenix band. So they're number, number 19. I'm, I'm sorry. Number 18. Um, number 17 are the pixies from Boston. Mm-hmm. I don't see them as, as really a grunge band quite. I was, was going to say that. Yeah. I don't see that grungy at all. The yeah. Pixies. Yeah. 
that little different sound kind of um you know they're they're influenced by Nirvana a little bit, but uh they're more like a radiohead weezer kind sure. of stuff. Yeah. Uh, weezer that's that's a good that's a good uh, comparison yeah, yeah. then we've got so grunge affected you know the world, and here you had in nineteen ninety two you had this band come out of Australia. Now, if you remember these guys, Pat, Silver Chair. Yeah, I do. Tell me uh, the song about the kitchen sink. There's no running water. <laughs> oh, tomorrow. Things. Yep. Yeah, tomorrow was the big, their big hit. Really good song. Took you to a lot of places. All right. So now we are at number 15. Now we get to listen to a little music. We get to hear Pat's alternative to number 15. But we're going to start off with Ranker, and I'm going to go ahead and hit the first cut of the band that they have as number 15. Here we go. In and Out of Grace, this band was formed by the lead singer from Green River, uh, Mark Arm. You know who these guys are, Pat? I don't. Mud Honey. Mud Honey. <laughs> okay. There you go. So who do you have as number 15? Well, you know, I, I have social distortion. Whoa. It's number 15. And I know they're... You know, you could probably go 50-50 on the grunge with them, but I just, you know, they've, uh, they're a grunge band to me. Okay. You know, so I'm going with Social Distortion. Wow. All righty. Yeah. I like that. That's that's on on our lists at all, so I kind of like on that. On your list. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. All right. Ready for number 14? Yeah. Here we go. This is Shangri-La, and this is the band that we already talked about with the great Andrew Wood mm. as lead singer, Mother Love Bone. And I think you hear that where he's almost like a, a li- like a little better Axl Rose vo- voice in there. Yeah. Right? I was going to say something, but you brought Yeah, definitely. It's, it sounded, you know, that high kind of welcome to the jungle that you know kind of thing going on so you you nailed it when i think you said when you said aqua rose i i like that i like that uh comparison you know when i listen to that and i've heard other songs of mother love bone and when i was you know 
Pat, I don't know if you remember, but you know, I was I worked for Sam Goody, you know, Musicland for many, many years, and was, was in music for a long time. And uh, when the Mother Love Bone album came out, we all knew that Andrew had already passed when he came out. But the label wanted to still push it really, really hard. And when you listen to it, and you listen to that right there, you could tell they were banking on these guys to really be the Nirvana, because they thought these guys, you know, had a more commercial sound. Uh, they were great musicians, and they had the great frontman. And it's really sad that this happened because you wonder what would have changed because you have this spiral with Andrew dying, with Kurt Cobain dying, that affected and almost probably almost killed really grunge as you knew it. Yeah. And then it just kind of evolved into something else. Yeah, 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 that's a good analogy. I mean, that's, that's, that's it in a nutshell. I mean, you think about Andrew Wood, but... You know, when you look at that band, you look at Mother Lovebone and, you know, you see a picture of them, the last thing you'd think is that they're a grunge band. Yes. Because to me, they look like a glam band, you know, and Andrew Wood especially. You know, the flamboyancy of Andrew Wood was just <laughs> off the charts, you know. Pat, you were dead on because when when Andrew Wood and his brother started Malfunction, they were a, kind of a glam rock band. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's great. Um, all right, so 14, what do you have? I got the Melvins. I okay. put the Melvins at 14, and I'm not a big Melvins person. I just pretty much have list, I listen to them. Uh, I don't have any collection of them, but I, I like their music, you know. Um, so I got the Melvins, 14. Well, you, and you can't go wrong with that because of yeah. how important they were to the grunge scene. So, yeah. yep. How do you feel about that, Paul? You in? I, yeah, no, I'm, 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 I agree. I think, uh, uh, you know, we, we kind of thought that, we said Pat was probably going to have the Melvins in that top 15, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I think there's going to be some – I can't wait to really get to the rest of it. I'm, I, I, know, I already know what the ranker list is, so I can't wait to see Pat's. That's the one I'm looking forward to. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I want to kind of see if you guys hit any on the same, you know, hit yeah. if, if ranker and, and Pat are on the same page or is Pat's list better than ranker? Who knows? We'll see. I think what's going to be key is what does that top five are the top five we think is solid for, for ranker. And I want to see right. what Pat's his top five is. That's going to be the key. And he, and here's the key. The number one in ranker is my favorite of all time. Yep. Yeah. Remember so that. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Be curious to see where Pat puts them. Well, I think when, I think when you're going to find that, you know, my, my six through 10, I think would be a lot of people's one through five. Okay. All right. Okay. It's going to be interesting. I can't wait to see it, though. You might surprise us. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move on to number 13. And with number 13, you know, me and my brother, we love this this band. And there's for, you know, for different reasons. But just from the music side, very, very strong. Uh, these guys are from England. And they, um, they started at a time, they were really popular here and not in England because um, at the time Britpop was ha kind of happening. And so, and they had this harder sound and um, a, a true grunge uh, band from, from afar. And uh, here's, uh, here's a little snip.
love Machine Head. Love yeah, Rosdell is amazing. I I think I thank him for messing up with Gwen. So now me and her have a chance. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't know it yet. I I got to tell you, this is a true story. When I don't know what I was doing or where I was, but for some reason, the first time I heard Bush, I thought it was Nirvana. Mm. It was from afar. I mean, I heard, I was listening to this song from some radio or some stereo that was, you know, maybe a half a block away somewhere. Or maybe I was, I don't know what I was doing. I, I, honestly, all I remember is hearing um, hearing Bush. And I'm thinking, that's that's Cobain. I seriously thought that was it was it was Nirvana when I was first heard it. What song was it? Was it Glycerin or was it? Uh, it was. Was it Machine? It was Glycerin. Yeah, know. I can understand that then because I honestly think it had a little bit of a Nirvana sound to it as well. So, <laughs> and I kept thinking, wait a minute, what what the hell is the name of this song? I don't have a Nirvana album that's got this song on it. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Um, now we're moving on to number twelve. Oh wait, 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 wait! We didn't get, uh, we didn't get Pat's. Oh well, guess what? My number, tw- my number thirteen was Bush. Same as this one. <laughs> I love it. Well done. Yep, can't complain. That's right on on the money. Yeah, right on the money. Yeah. Good job. Okay, number twelve, Seattle band, and here was their really, I think, a really big hit for them. Yeah, here you're going home, and someday we can take our time. Brush the leaves aside so you can reach us a good call you like that i do i like it i think Candlebox. that's a good call i was gonna say Candlebox. i wasn't sure who they were far behind was uh was a really big hit for them and uh you know seattle band and um you know i think they're still uh they're still out there playing well far behind that was really commercial radio man that was all over the place they were playing that on you know all the pop stations everything because it was kind of like that ballady rock ballad kind of song so yeah. yeah, it came on in 93, and so, I mean, you're really in the middle of when they're just cranking out grunge hits. I know, yeah. All right, number 12. Mine is Mud Honey. Okay. Take Mud Honey at number 12. Alec. That's a good call. <laughs> I like to block. And so, <laughs> Nothing to say about him, but I'll take him at number 12. There you go, there you go. <laughs> They were good. <laughs> they were absolutely okay. Cool. Now this number eleven, I don't necessarily agree with, but um, I don't know that I would rate this band high, or if they even make my list. But Ranker has at number eleven this band, and uh, they're from Texas. And I know, Paul, you know that uh, Beavis and Butthead might like these guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but like cool and stuff. Yeah, yeah, cool. Fire, fire. <laughs> Paulie, nice job.
It's kind of a kicking song. We're like talking like the butthole surfers. Yep, we are. Right? Surfers, yeah. They were, that was big on Beavis and Butthead. They, uh, they would always play like their videos. Uh, they would always play a video on their show and stuff. That's right. Yeah. Butthole surfers, who was in my room? So there you go. We go to Pat, and we're breaking into the top 10 soon. So number 11, what do you have, Pat? My number 11 uh, gentleman is Temple of the Dog. Oh, okay. I went with Temple of the Dog. So you didn't even break the top 10 with Temple of the Dog. You know what? It was really close. Okay. It was really close. And I just think it it comes down for me to uh, more than one song airtime, if that makes sense. Temple of the Dog, you had one song that had airtime. And my top ten, there was, you know, that that was the only thing that kept them on the top ten. That was it. Yeah, and Pat, I like I like your criteria because, as Paul knows, that I I kind of get into. They have to have more than just one hit. Yeah, you know, I think it's important. So I could I could see that. I, I like eleven not making the top ten with one with just one hit. I think that's a good call. Yeah. So, so now we're going to the top ten, right, bro? We are. All right. This is this is. Good now because now Pat said his like 10, 9, 8, 7, 6 is are like his top five, so could be potential five. So that'll yeah. be good. Good to see. Um, all right, so number 10. Um, this is a New York band. I mean, they got a they've got a sound that I guess is is kind of you know, kind of a experimental new wavy kind of sound. Um, but uh, I could kind of see that they were kind of picked up in the grunge thing. So let me uh, play this song for you guys. I have no idea who that is, but you know, it's, it's, it's catchy. Sonic Youth. Who is it? Sonic Youth. Oh, Sonic Youth. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds cool thing. So, um, once again, these guys would not be in my top 10. I was going to say, I, I don't know if that's really grungy, grungy, is it though? Yeah. I, you know, I don't think they were traditionally that. But once again, if you put out albums in that time frame, you kind of got caught up in that sound because that's what the record labels wanted. And that's what, you know, kind of happens sometimes. There's just no Yarl in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. What do you have? Here we go. The first top 10 from Pat. Top 10, number 10, coming in at number 10, Mad Season. Okay. I like it. I like it. Okay. That's a strong, strong. Strong number 10. Strong number 10. All right. Number nine. Oh, love these guys. L.A. band and very experimental. They've got the videos are just so creative, disturbing. The sound is fantastic. They're a great performing band. I wanted to play a different song than maybe what um, – you you might expect that I'd play. I want to play something a little bit different. So here's um here's this band.
Mm-hmm. I know who this is. Tell me. All right, it's Tool, isn't it? It is Tool. Okay. Obviously, Sober was you know their big hit on MTV with the video with like the puppets and the and the, and, the, and really disturbing and I think in yes. a lot of ways right. Um, but yeah, they're they were they were great. He had such a good voice that that lead singer. Oh, and still, I mean, they're they're putting out great albums still. I mean, Tool is is a, just an amazing band, and um, you know they came on. And that first album is just crazy good. Sober's a fantastic song. Uh, they have the song Prison Sex, which is uh, another one that was banned. Um, good stuff. Pat, any, anything on Tool that you... Well, I, I, I saw him actually at the Paramount. Uh, not the Paramount, but the uh, Coliseum with Nine Inch Nails. Oh, That was an amazing show. So Tool was opening for Nine Inch Nails? Yeah. 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 And either one of them could have stole the show. I mean, either one of them, neither one of them were an opening band. (laughs) It was really good. Really good show. Awesome. Amazing show. Yeah. But my, uh, my number nine goes to, uh, mother love bone. Okay. Coming in strong. That's a strong nine. All, all worthy. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Good, Good good, good list. We got going here. All right. All right. So number eight, is not a band I put in there. Paul, you may remember that this band, we don't have to say it yet, but uh, this band had a song on the uh, 90s One Hit Wonders. Uh, I'm not going to play that song because it doesn't belong on a grunge countdown. So I'm going to play something else. I'm going to play this song. So we've got a little soul asylum yeah. and everybody knows runaway train, but yeah, I just wouldn't put that in. in, in yeah. hmm. I do remember that song that you just played though. I do remember this one. Yeah. It's called somebody to shove instead of somebody to love or something like that. Somebody to <laughs> shove. <so. laughs> just reminds me of something that would have been like in a, you know, like a nineties movie kind of song. Mm. Like on a track. Yeah. Like a reality bites or something like that. Uh, something, with, something with Jake Gyllenhaal on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Don't know where that came from. <laughs> no, I like it. What about you, Pat? What do you got on your number? You eight? Know, uh, my number eight, um, Smashing Pumpkins. God, what is your what is your top five going to be? My God, that's crazy. Be crazy. Yeah, that's <laughs> yep. crazy. All right. Yeah, I like. I, I really like Billy Corrigan. I think he's just. Uh, you know, he's just, uh, he's one of those guys that he's like a chameleon. I mean, he knows how, he kind of reminds me of um, Robert Smith from The Cure to the point mm-hmm. where he, uh, you know, I mean, you know who they are, definitely a very unique sound, but he's able to, he's able to adapt to the changing of the times as far as his music goes when yeah. it comes to the lyrics. I, I really feel that they're really strong. Yeah. You know. Lyrics are for the times for Smashing Pumpkins. The lyrics are for their time, the times they're in. Yeah, and he's really adapted well through the years. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, they broke up for a while, came back strong. So, all righty. Number seven on the ranker list is a band we've mentioned already on this uh, before. And I think was already on, yes, was on 
your top 11. But it's on the table, the fire's cooking, and the farming babies of the slaves are all working, and it's on the table, the mouths are choking, but I'm going hungry. Does Eddie Vedder owe Chris Cornell or what? I mean, he gave him that song to... Uh, what a powerhouse. Right? I mean, oh my gosh. Can you imagine? I mean, I got like his calm voice to sing, and then you got Chris in the background just firing in those, you know, <laughs> that, that, that voice is like, oh my God, it's insane. Yeah. Oh, such power. Oh, yeah. What a duet. That's a powerhouse right there. Yeah. yeah, and they've and they performed that live. I think the last time they performed that was in 2014. Um, you know, so and obviously they, they won't be able to do that again. But uh, man, I tell you, amazing. What's yours, Pat? My number seven I went to Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam's my number seven. Pearl okay. Jam. They could have gone anywhere from four to seven for me. Okay. Um, but uh, in lieu the next one, you'll understand why. Uh, you know, but. I'll explain. I'll explain as we go. But yeah, number seven is Pearl Jam. Excellent, excellent. All right, so now we're moving on to number six uh, for Ranker and um, a band that um, Pat already mentioned. Okay, so this is number six, and um, Pat already mentioned this band. Love this band, and here's number six. You just want to start flapping. Oh, we're on video here, and all of us were like bopping our heads, rocking out hard. I know. I caught it out of the corner of my eye coming up on the last whiplash. Yeah, so so good. Um, you know, and they've got that great sound, and um, and Billy Corgan so good, and of course, talking Smashing Pumpkins, and uh, um, decided to you know, there's there's so many good good um, songs to play from the earlier stuff, but I went with really the kind of the big commercial album um but you know gish and siamese dream there's some really good stuff that were on those um also yeah. they were you know um produced by butch Vig. Mm-hmm. but i uh, went with that one because i think uh, we needed something to be a little bit upbeat you know because some of this music can kind of get a little heavy so all right number six what do you got pat number six i've got stone temple pilots wow i am shocked i am i'm a little shocked too I'm now. I'm really curious on what five are. I am too. Holy crap! And you know, I tell you, there was a time period, Lou, when we, you and I saw the show together um, with the new singer, uh, Gunt Goot. 
Yeah. Um, STP might have been my number one during that time. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, you know, I, I, it's kind of a moment thing for me with you know, maybe my top 10. So you just happen to catch me today. I mean, my top 10 tomorrow might be, or, you know, in three weeks might be different. It depends on what I'm listening to, but seriously, but you know, the top three stay the same <laughs> for sure. But STP, STP is, oh man, they're just, I just, big bang baby. Oh. Love that song. Love, oh, that. love the video. Yeah. So cool. There you go. Yeah, that was one. And MTV actually played videos, though. They don't do that exactly. anymore. Exactly. <laughs> All righty. Um, so now we move into number f- the top five. There we go. And Pat's already given some great ones that are would be in the top five, and they're gone off the board. So I can't wait to hear what his are. He's already got a couple that would be in my top five for sure. Yeah. Sure. Pearl Jam for sure, I bet, huh, Polly? Pearl Jam is one of those, yeah. yes, and yeah. Stone Temple Pilot. Yeah, no doubt. All righty. Um, it coming at number five, and and as Paul knows, um, this could be number one for a lot of people. Um, but for Ranker, it is in America voting. It is number five, and uh, I'm gonna not play the obvious. I'll play this one. In our days, cause I found God. Yeah, 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 Hit you with some lithium. Of course, we're talking Nirvana, and um, you know they—they're uh, probably top three in most people. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Shocked at five. Yep, and of course, I mean, a big hit. I mean, I just I, because it's got such a great opening. Just I, that is, I mean, when you when you say the word, it, when you look in the dictionary under the word grunge, there's a picture of them playing in the high school. You know? Oh yeah. Or when it says grunge, it's the first word's Nirvana. Uh, smells like Teen Spirit. <laughs> that's the first, that's the definition of grunge. Yeah. So amazing, and that's at number five. What do you think, Paul? Would you agree with that to some degree? Um, as far as what, were they listed at number well, five or no, what no, you when, you, when you hear the word grunge, I mean, that song has got to be like at the top, if not close to it. You really do. I agree. Yeah. You, you pick the video of him on that gym floor exactly. and the, everyone, the kids in the stands and they're bumping their feet. And also they just, when that, when that part comes in, the chorus comes in and everyone just goes crazy. <laughs> I, I think that's the epitome of grunge right there. And exactly. Paulie. And that was the movement. When I talk about, you know, the movement that started, that's what it was. That scene is what it was. That's how it was. 
That is, um, that's the anthem. I mean, that's the anthem for grunge. Oh, good one. All right. What do you got? Number five. Number five. It's, uh, um, these guys have got hit after, in my mind, and Lou, I've taken some snapshots of my, of, you know, when I send you music, I'll show you what I'm listening to on my car, my car. Yeah. Um, another Seattle band, uh, Love Battery. I don't know if you've ever heard Love Battery. You've sent me this before. Yes. And, you know, they've got just some, I mean, it's just song after song after song. It's, and it is grunge. It is grunge. So, Polly, we get off the show tonight. You know, check it out. Love Battery. Love Battery. Yeah, I, I don't know them. I'm honestly, yeah. I've never heard of them. So, I'll definitely take take a listen for sure to hear what you, why you put them in there. If there was one song you wanted us to listen to, what would that song be? Uh, change, uh, change my mind. Hold on one second here. I would have to say the song "Between the Eyes." And then uh, Far Gone, another one called Far Gone from 1993 is a really good one. So, wow. Yeah, good stuff. I'm in. I'm listening to that a little bit later. That's a nice little tidbit for, for people out there. Try, you know, maybe something they've never heard before. Yeah. Pat recommends Love Battery. And it's in his top five, too. Top five. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Number four. Ranker. Great album. One of the greatest debut albums of all time. And why not play the first song? This is the first cut. We've talked about this band enough. Spawn from so many. Here we go. So good. Yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine when he was sending those tapes up from San Diego? If they would have said, "No, nah, dude, we don't like you." <laughs> <laughs> Keep working on it. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta love the number four group, Mookie Blaylock. You gotta love them. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Mookie number ten. Love it. Pearl Jam, of course. Fat, fabulous stuff. Enough said there. Number four. What do you got? I got Screaming Trees. I can't can't go wrong with that one. No. Oh. Yeah. Screaming Trees. Mark Lanigan is he's awesome. 
Yes. And then Mark went on to what's the other band that he's in now? You know, I'm not sure of the band. I mean, he did a lot. His solo stuff's really good too. And he was from. He's in another band, and I I can't remember what it was. Oh, Queens of the Stone Age. Queens of the Stone Age. That's yep. Oh, yep. Wow, there you go. Besides Mad Season and uh, and Screaming Trees, Queen of the Stone Age. So, oh, there you go. Another good one. Yep. So we've we've gone through top four. We are at the, we're at number three now. All right, number three. We've talked about this and um, very very sad. Amazing voice. That's my favorite song by Soundgarden right there. Oh, isn't that a great song? You see my shirt that I got on, gentlemen? I am not your rolling wheels. I am the highway. Oh. Yeah, you you got it. Look at that. It's a great shirt. It's a double X is what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Some big letters on there, Pat. (laughs) It's called Baby Gap One. (laughs) That's good stuff. Yeah, so uh, coming in at number three then for me. Lou, are you ready? I'm ready. Uh, Nirvana for me. Okay. Nirvana's my three. That's uh, I think that's a good good one. Yeah. Yep. Good call. Yeah. I like I like Nirvana at three, honestly. Yeah. yeah. So our top these these might line up for us even, I think. Right? So well, you, we'll see. Yeah, I think so. Let's do number two. A band that me and Pat got to see. Big fans. Uh, and I'll play this one. Yes. God, you know what? Um, might be one of my might be a top five song of all time for me, right there. The lyrics are so intense. Oh, Scott Weiland is. Did you did you guys ever see? Did you ever see the MTV Unplugged Stone Temple Pilots? I was just going to say that. Yes, I was just say his acoustic version of of Plush was just it's his his lyrics are haunting. Like oh, he sings, it's amazing. That's, that's a great way to say it, Polly. Great way to sum it up. Oh my god, it's so amazing! It's probably uh, one of my favorite favorite performances is is the unplugged version of that. Yeah, I think STP's unplugged is better than any other grunge band unplugged that I've watched. I've seen Pearl Jam, Nirvana's good, but I think the STP unplugged version I, it's phenomenal. They're probably my number two, 
and maybe Paul, would they be your number two or or no? Uh, STP would uh, I, I would think yeah they they would be my number two and I, I already know that what the number one is then for sure which is my number yeah. one favorite band of all time grunge wise so. yeah yeah well my yeah. number two guys comes in at uh, Soundgarden yeah nothing wrong with that no nothing wrong with that yep love it so I think we might all have the same number one which I love oh yeah I hope so unless Pat is really off. <laughs> Off the deep end. I don't know. If I went to La La Place. <laughs> yeah, the band called ABC. <laughs> <laughs> or he might have Love Battery twice. Who knows? <laughs> All righty. So here we go. We're, we've, we've made it. It's been a long climb or a long descent. I don't know what it is, but uh, we've made number one. It's been fun. It's been fun. And... Uh, you pick the right song. We have to do this song, right? Yeah, we'll do okay, this okay. song. I just the the harmony, the vocals, Cantrell and Staley. Oh my God! They're just so darn the the, the way they harmonize oh. is is just you know like no other. And you know Cantrell's a great singer on his own. And then you with the way Lane sings and the sound that they got, I it, it just blew me away. Yeah, they're, like uh, you said it, Lou. Like none other. There's. Yeah. It, 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 those two, and you know, I, I've seen I've seen the new Allison Chains with uh, William Duvall singing. I saw them at the Paramount in Seattle. They were fantastic. They were fabulous. William Duvall is amazing. Yeah, but but not quite, not quite. There's nothing like Lane. I'm yes. telling you right now. I just I had so much respect for that band that they decided to continue to go on. You know, they took a little time off to decide to make that decision. They decided on William Duvall and the story behind that. If you ever get the backstory on how he joined this band, it's a pretty cool story. You have to look into it sometime. You know, just it's a good read. It's about a fifteen yeah. minute read of how he got to, to know the band over the years. But he's 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 quite the vocalist. William Duvall is quite the vocalist. And the song was so it was so ahead of its time. The song was it's just it's just one of the songs that'll transcend forever. It's just awesome song. And they had hit after hit after hit after hit, you know, the jar flies up and everything was good. Absolutely. So I imagine that yours is the also Allison Chains. Yes. All right. Allison Chains. After all of that, we've lined up beautifully. Isn't that great guys? Yeah. So I, a little bit different, a little bit different, the top five. Yeah. Um, my top five would probably would be um, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, um, Nirvana. Are you going from five to one? Are you going? You, I would five down to one. Okay, yes. what was five? Uh, five was uh, what did I say? Soundgarden. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, Pearl Jam. Then I would do uh, Pearl Jam. Okay. Number three would be Nirvana for me. Okay. Number two would be uh, STP, and number one would be Alice in Chains. Uh, that would be my top five. Wow. You know that that one two punch right there, Alice in Chains and STP. Yeah. That's a one two punch right there. Lou, you had the same one. Yeah, if I could sit here and play STP songs all night in, in Alice in Chains, I, I mean, that's everything. Yeah. I mean, phenomenal, phenomenal. And, and then you sprinkle in a little Pearl Jam here and there, that's good, too. Yeah, and I told you guys when I was sitting at STP at number six, I told you guys that, that you know, where I'm, it depends on where I'm at. This could have been my number one. I mean, you know, STP right. could easily be my number one. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm still befuddled on... On Love Battery. That one I'm kind of stuck on. But, you know, hey, that's okay. I, li- I yeah. like that you brought something fresh to it. Yeah, it's it's different. They're different, but, I, you know, you, you get a listen on them. You know, get, get on them. I like the fact that there's a band in there that I've never heard of in that top five. It's going to make me want to go out and listen to a little bit of them now and to kind of see what what you're feeling and see if I get that same kind of feeling sure. when I listen to them as well. So it's kind of cool, actually, yeah. to hear something different. I mean, as a DJ, I, I, get, I have to play the – it's the same songs all the time when I do weddings and parties and stuff. So hearing something new and something fresh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So that's yeah. going to be really cool. Right on, Polly. Yeah, I think when, when I put together the uh, the show for the radio channel and we do, you know, the grunge show, which will have, you know, obviously full cuts, uh, a very diverse set. Um, Love Battery is going in, Pat. So, um, you know, we might... Uh, Go ahead and uh, confer with you on uh, which song should be included. So, um, Paul, what do you think? Any any other things that come out of that you can think of grunge wise that you wanted to mention? You know, I, I, I you know I talked a little bit earlier about you know making a joke about the plaid, you know, fl- you know the flannels and stuff like that, and and the Doc Martens and the girls wearing the dresses, the floral dresses with the messy hair and makeup, and the Doc Martin boots as well. But it's something that comes back from that grunge time for me is the movie Singles. Mm. And I, I, know, I know we've all seen that movie. And if you haven't, you need to watch this movie because it is, it is basically the grunge scene all wrapped up in one movie. It, it, it goes, I mean, you have such, you know, such people in there, Eddie Vedder, uh, Stone Gosser, Jeff Ament, you have Allison Chains, you have Soundgarden in there. Um, you have, uh, Bridget Fonda as, as the lead and Matt Dillon as, as the leads in that. And it's, uh, it's basically about this girl who is, I guess, trying to take over to manage, uh, a band. Citizen Dick is the band, which is played by the members of Pearl Jam. But the soundtrack is phenomenal. Yeah. You have everything. Alice in Chains, Soundgarden. Um, you have Smashing Pumpkins on the on the soundtrack. It's it's an amazing, amazing thing. Pat, I, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the movie. Correct? Yeah, I think it's a fantastic movie too. And it's it's to me, it's a tale of two loves. It's a two love story movie. It's the love story of uh, a Matt Dillon and Bridget Fonda, and then I think it's also a love story of the grunge movement. I think Cameron Crowe made you really fall in love with that kind of music. To me. Yeah. Great movie. And it was filmed in, in Seattle, I believe, correct? Yep. Capital or uh, Queen Anne. Yep. Right up on the hill. Downtown Seattle. Yep. Yeah. So that's, I just wanted to throw that out there because we're talking grunge and I think that's such a big part of the grunge movement. Oh, so, Polly, that's um, awesome. That's, I could talk, I could talk that all day long. That's an awesome, awesome talk, talk to talk about with singles. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Pat, I, I really, really love the perspective that, um, you know, you were there during that time. You kind of got into the, when, when it was at its heyday, you were, you were all in. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to see some great bands. You still appreciate that music. You still see bands today that, um, have continued it on or spawned from that. You know, it says a lot about really that music scene and the, the music itself, because even though grunge, they say, you know, kind of died along with, with the deaths. And of course, we've, we've talked about Andrew Wood. We've talked about Kurt Cobain. We've talked about Lane Staley and we've talked about Chris Cornell. Um, and then with Lincoln Park, Chester Bennington. That's right. With Connected. I mean, there's just so much. And, you know, cause Chester also played with, uh, with Stone Temple Pilots yeah. and so much death. Scott Whelan also. That's right. So it, it's so much death. So it is, it, you know, it's a very a dark time. It's um, the, the words and the, and the lyrics and that whole scene was a dark, a dark movement. But it was it was a it was a different kind of uh, a different kind of sound that was coming out. And the words were different than hearing about, you know, I'm in love with this one and we're happy about this. And the words were so different. And that's why I think a lot of kids really related to it. Um, they related to this whole um, kind of depression, sad time and kids were going through and stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, I related to it. I, I was, I loved it. I mean, the words were, they, they spoke to me um, and they spoke to a lot of the people out there. But again, I know we, we're, you know, it just, these are, these are musicians, unfortunately, that they, their lives were cut shortly, whether it was because of mental illness with suicide or the case may be, but they, gave us amazing music and here we are we're dedicating a show to these people because of what they what they did for us on a listening platform but also just the impact they left on all of a lot of people's lives in the seattle area and all over the world so well said Bobby. Well said. just can't imagine what they would if they were still around what they would be doing now you know all of these guys it's it's just you know as we as we talked uh, you know Lou about Eddie Van Halen you know not not playing guitar anymore not being able to hear it. it's the same kind of concept like some of these voices that we'll never be able to hear again that what who knows what they could have done and it's kind of sad it's kind of sad to to talk about that but it is great to laugh and talk about the songs and the and the stuff that uh, we got to hear them perform and play and we got to experience that um, you know right up front but pat you got to experience it right there you were right in the middle of it so um you're very lucky that you were in that scene at that time yeah kind of jealous it was it was definitely a movement you know it was it was definitely a movement and uh depending on what you were doing at the time or where you were working at the time you know it uh it surrounded you it was it was everywhere so there wasn't really too many days that went by where you weren't reminded of it or you didn't see it yeah good times well, I tell you, I um, when I was up in your area, Pat, you know, when we were RVing this past summer, just being in Aberdeen, and oh. just you feel it. Yeah. And Kurt is there. It's it's unbelievable, and you see how kind of depressed Aberdeen is and everything. Yeah. You know, but um, you know, I, I just you, you you could just picture Kurt like hanging out on the street or something in your mind. You just see him walking the streets or something. You know. Yep. It's um, just just something. Yeah, I always picture him like going from like ashtray to ashtray on the sidewalks, looking for cigarette butts. You know, how, you know what I mean. Being that being that guy, you know, that guy that yeah. you know would just kind of trowel the streets and and uh, you know didn't have a, a penny to his name, 
you know, and it would, you know, beg smokes off of people. And if you didn't, guess, if you didn't get them, guess what? It was going from, you know, to butt to butt, <laughs> you know, right. that's what I picture Kurt Cobain being like, you know, in Aberdeen. Yeah, I, I you're probably right. I mean, wow. Um, but um, no, I think this has been a, 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 you know, it's been a, I think an interesting episode, you know, fun to have Pat here. But I think as we delve yeah. into this music, I think sometimes it's, it's, it's heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, but I also appreciate the musicianship and uh, the messages that were, um, you know, displayed through all this music, and um, and the fact that the music lives on. No matter, you know, they passed, they changed a lot of things, but people still carry that torch, and they've gone on to either continue within, you know, the the same band with different people, you know, or just branched out to something else, and so that really says a lot about the longevity of grunge music. Yeah, I agree, Lou. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right, Lou. You hit that right on the money there. I mean, it is a lot of our episodes that we do on our show are, you know, a lot of funny things and we laugh and we goof around and stuff. But, you know, this show is a little bit more on the serious level. I mean, we had a little fun. We laughed. And like I said, it was great. Pat being here, giving us a perspective of that was fantastic adding to the show. It it was a lot of fun to do this. So, um, all our, all our episodes can't be, you know, knee slappers, hilarious and (laughs) and funny. (laughs) Sometimes we have to get a little serious and talk about these things, and um, but it was it was educational for me as well because I learned a lot a lot of things that I did not know. So um, you know, I was a little bit younger. I was you know maybe like twenty or so, you know, in the nineties, twenty one, twenty two, ninety one, ninety two, when things were going really big, and um, so there was a lot of stuff I didn't know, Pat, that you that you threw out there, and Lou, you as well, and it was very educational. So I hope people listening are getting the same education that I got and I hopefully are open to getting that education and, and learning a little bit about the scrunch scene and looking it up on Google or videos or movies and stuff to kind of see what we're talking about and what we got to experience and love. So well, I sure enjoyed myself guys. I really appreciate you asking me to be on. It's really good to see both of you talk to both of you. That's great. Yeah. Really great. Really great to have you on here God, I haven't seen you since 82. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, been, it's been a long time. <laughs> um, and I was just a 12-year-old kid, you know, probably annoying you guys. So anyway. No, man. <laughs> That's awesome, Polly. That's awesome. All right, guys. So we're going to wrap up show. We want to thank Pat for joining us on the episode today. It was a lot of fun having you, Pat. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Polly. And uh, we just want to remind everyone um, – to please um, check out our radio station on backintimebrothers.com. There's a button that you can listen live and listen to our station where we play some of the best 70s, 80s, and 90s music out there. Um, We talked about grunge and classic disco and classic rock and all kinds of stuff. So um, feel free to listen to that. And we also have our website that you can, if you like to uh, represent our brand, uh, feel free. We have a shop. You can buy t-shirts, hats, all that kind of fun stuff. That's all available. Um, but uh, for now, we're going to wrap things up. And uh, thank you so much for joining in, listening to us. We hope you enjoyed the show. Um, we are the Back in Time Brothers. I am DJ Paul, and as always, my brother Lou. And we are out of here, guys. Have a great day. Thank you. See you guys. <laughs>